up, everybody? This is David, the Juggernaut Jagno here with the Coalition. And uh, today I'm joined by two other staff members for the sixth episode of Turn-Based. We've had a bit of a hiatus. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, everybody? Yo, what's up? This is Gary A. Swaby. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've been on a bit of a hiatus, but it's good to be back on the Turn-Based. There's lots to talk about. And, you know, I'm sure you know what I want to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah, what's up? This is Richard Bailey. Yes, my first time on the turn base. Looking forward to talking about a few things. So, uh, yeah, we can jump right into it when you guys are ready. All right, that sounds good. Uh, Speaking of first times, this will be my first time hosting. Everyone let us know what you think of me compared to Gary. I'm probably better. Anyways, uh, what have you guys been up to during the hiatus? So what have you been up to during our uh, time off here? Man, I've been through a whole lot. I mean, just, you know, trying to find work, um, volunteering, uh, doing jobs, projects, all kinds of shit, basically. But as far as gaming... You know, I've stayed gaming. I've played some awesome games since the last time we did a podcast. I played um, Deus Ex. Loved that game. Um, Gears of War, Uncharted, uh, Batman. and But of course, you know, the number one game that I've played. <laughs> Ooh, are you laughing at his avatar? Because that's what I was laughing at. But yeah, um, the number one game I've played this year is the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. So, yeah, that, that's what I've been up to. How about you? What about you, Rich? Oh, well, uh, I've actually been very busy working as well. Um, doing like a lot of design work and going over different documents and stuff like that. But as far as games are concerned, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Deus Ex as of late. Uh, finally got a chance to pick it up. Um, so far, I don't have any problems with the game. I can see how they're setting everything up. And, uh, you know, it's just the kind of game I feel like you, you really want to complete everything that it has to offer. I know you have to play through it to see all the different endings. Um, but at the same time, I don't have a problem. The combat system, the ability to choose between how you approach a mission, whether you want to go in guns blazing or stealth. And, you know, the animations that happen when you knock people out is great as well. You know, I I love that type of stuff. So look forward to playing some more of that. Um, Skyrim, I have not picked up yet, but I will be picking up this weekend. Uh, for anybody listening to this podcast, if you were waiting to get Skyrim at a deal... It's actually going to be on sale at Toys R Us for $40 starting Sunday. Uh-oh. And it goes throughout the whole week. Now, it's right now it's on Amazon for 55 That's the lowest that I've seen, though, which is the $40. So I think, without a question, I will be picking it up on Sunday. But uh, look forward to giving that a try as well. Yeah, that's good news right there. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, that's all I've been up to lately. Well, what about you, David? Yeah, I mean, over the past few months, I've been 
just trying to catch up on some games that I haven't had a chance to play yet. Also, I got some of the new ones that came out. I picked up Charter 3 and Zelda. I uh, reviewed that War in the North Lord of the Rings game. You can find my review on the website. I liked it quite a bit. It's really fun co-op. It's, uh, yeah, it's a real good game, hack and slash RPG. But then most importantly, I've been playing Skyrim, of course, as soon as I came out. Uh, played it pretty much the entire weekend after it came out. Uh, I loved every second of it. It's all that I have born more. It's a really great game. And, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with it so far. Uh, also, I finished the first Mass Effect finally, and I'm working on Mass Effect 2, so our Mass Effect podcast will be coming shortly, hopefully. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, so uh, now that everyone knows what we've been all up to, let's move into the news. Uh, we've got a few things to talk about today. First is that uh, Xenoblade Chronicles was uh, an RPG that was not supposed to come out in the United States. It was um, it was over to Europe, though the EU got it. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to play it yet, Swift, but I've heard it's pretty good on the Wii. No, I haven't actually played it yet. I don't have a Wii, so unfortunately, no. And I'm sure um, Carl Daniel's going to have a go at me for that. But yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to try this game out. Obviously, I would if I had a Wii. But yeah, it's good that you guys are going to get the game now. Is there like an official yeah, release? Yeah, I guess that. But, uh, no, there's no official release yet. But I guess that petition thing that they were doing worked. For uh, lobbying Nintendo to release some of those Japanese games that weren't supposed to be coming to the U.S. I haven't really heard anything about the other ones, like Last Story and Pandora's Tower. There's some other RPGs that were denied to be brought over here, but hopefully they come over as well. Yeah. And uh, I guess next we'll jump right into the main reason why Rich was brought on. He's a big Bioware and Mass Effect guy, and uh, we want to talk about some of the changes that has, have been announced for the upcoming Bioware games. <laughs> First is the announcement of multiplayer in Mass Effect 3. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, well, well, first and foremost, I, I would just like to say this. Yes, uh, I'm a Mass Effect fan, primarily for the story elements. Uh, I know that there's been a dramatic shift between 1 and 2, and there will be an even bigger shift with 3. Um, I got a chance to see that VGA reveal, and, you know... I thought it looked pretty cool. You know, I, I know that Gary Swaby was talking about the character moves a lot more fluid. Uh, but I, I do have a complaint about, uh, you know, this multiplayer issue because, like I said before, a lot of people said it sounds cool. Um, my only problem is that, you know, Mass Effect is meant to be an experience and it's supposed to be specifically centered on Shepard. So the inclusion of the multiplayer, it feels like it's a forced, it's, it's, it's nothing but a forced element that they're putting into this game. And being, being that EA is behind it, you know how EA has been pushing the online pass with all these games that they've been releasing. I can't help but feel like this is an EA decision, even though Bioware has came out several times and said that this is all Bioware. Uh, given that 
they added added that to this. There are rumors of this going also into Dragon Age three, and then the Command and Conquer two announcement that they had at the VGAs. It just makes me feel like okay, yeah, EA is taken over Bioware. No matter what they say, that's just how it feels. Now that doesn't mean I won't buy the game, but I'm just acknowledging that uh, yeah, it just kind of feels like it it could have been a lot better had. Bioware stayed the course and actually not had EA involved to the degree that they have been involved. Um, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like, right, straight up, I, I agree. Um, the first time I heard about them adding multiplayer to Mass Effect 3, I was like, you know, um, is it going to be deathmatch? Is it going to be co-op? And like, when they said it was going to be co-op, I was a bit skeptical about it because I thought, you know, how would the campaign work with, you know, two players? Is it like drop-in co-op so maybe somebody can drop in and be, um, you know, one of your teammates that you have with you? But how would that work? Because you're only doing a mission at certain times and all the other times it's like, you know, you're role-playing, you're doing storylines and stuff like that, talking to people. But then I heard that, you know, it's going to be a completely separate mode. And I guess that that's all fine and dandy, you know. That's a lot better than actually making it integrated in the main campaign. But at the same time, it does feel a little forced. It feels like they're just throwing it in there so they can add the, you know, online pass thing. So, yeah, I completely agree with Rich on that part. And it really doesn't seem like a Bioware move. It seems mainly influenced by EA, but hey, nowadays they're the same thing, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean I agree with both of you guys pretty much. I um whenever it was first announced I was pretty skeptical. Some of my fears have been um I guess feedback a little bit because I just feel like if but Mass Effect is their you know, their baby right now and I have I have hope that they wouldn't let the inclusion of multiplayer affect how they approach single player too much. And I, I hope that's how it is. But like Rich was saying, whenever I saw the UGA trailer, it looks really great and the graphics look beautiful and, you know, the action's really intense and everything like that. But we still haven't really seen anything that has proven that it's still going to be a Mass Effect game. Mm-hmm. And so... I. I'm just hoping that, you know, the story's still there, the decisions are still there. Yeah. You know, whether or not you let the Rachni live in Mass Effect 1, I want to see that play out and not just be something that's just kind of brushed to the side. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, want... like, when you see the trailers, like, all the footage they've released so far, it really does give off the vibe of, you know, a super mainstream title. You know, it doesn't even seem like it's the same game anymore. You know, it just seems like all we see is, like, action, action, action. Yeah, whenever I think of my favorite moments from Mass Effect 1 and so far in Mass Effect 2, I don't even think of any of the combat. I think of some of the decisions I made and getting to see how it played out. So I'm just hoping they still have that in the third one. Yeah, I mean, like, moments like in Mass Effect 1 where you face off against Rex, like, Moments like that were classic. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing how they could put a story together. So I just hope, you know, that this 
this scene is just the last in the trilogy. I just really want it to pay off in a big way. I want it to um, tie up all loose ends. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I want my decision to stay faithful to Ashley matter. I don't want to get ripped off for not cheating. You lost for that, by the way. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm a good person. Are you, are you going to stay faithful to a video game chick, man? Like, come on now. Oh, they they the forced amount, that, though. They, the they amount of chicks that. in Mass Effect 2, man, come on. No, but they forced that because even when you tried to talk to someone else, it's like they already knew you was interested in someone else, specifically in Mass Effect 2. Already tried to mess around with different teammates and they said well what is what's going on with you and so and so so yeah that's a little difficult to do <clears throat> I mean, nah, it's I'm, gonna I'm, matter I know it'll matter I made the right choice <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm gonna stay faithful to Tali though cause like you know first in the first game I went with well I played a couple times but uh, my main character went with Liara you know so in the second game I went with Tali so I'm I'm gonna stay faithful to her because I like her. Oh, uh, hope that she leave, leave the mask on. Don't take the mask off. <laughs> well, I, wa- I like. I want to see, see what's under it. I want to see. I'm interested. Yeah, they 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 know they they got that. But in particular, that's another yeah. That's another mechanism people want to know about that. What's going to happen with that? Yeah, they teased it in the second game. You know, with the well, I don't want to spoil anything for. David, but you know they kind of teased it in well, that David, scene. But David, see, David won't know anyway unless he, uh, you know, I've yeah. already heard about what happened. Unless yeah, he, unless he pursuing that character. Okay, well, yeah, you know they tease it in the sex scene, basically, like you know she takes off her mask, but you don't get to see it. So. Yeah, Shepard sees it though, right? Just the player doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Shepard sees it. That's right. Gotcha. Lucky man, maybe. All right, now, I guess moving on from uh, Mass Effect and Borrowware, let's go in and talk about Kingdoms of Amalur a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. I I don't even get to talk about the Dragon Age thing. Okay. I didn't know you had anything to say. Yeah, yeah, you need to talk about that other rumor that you heard earlier before we started recording as well. Yeah, so... Like Rich said, um, you know, Bioware also, well, this is a rumor. It's like not confirmed, but it's a credible source, I believe. So, you know, it's likely to happen. But Bioware is looking to offer multiplayer in or around Dragon Age 3. So it might not be Dragon Age 3. It might be a Dragon Age spinoff game or something like that. But Dragon Age is getting some form of multiplayer. Apparently, now as really? a as a huge Dragon Age fan, like I love this franchise almost as much as Mass Effect. The and to hear this news really gets me pissed at EA because <laughs> Dragon Age is not the type of game Mass Effect I can understand. You know, it has guns, so you know. It's that type of game where you would add multiplayer. Even though I don't approve of multiplayer in Mass Effect, it's, you know, it's that kind of 
element that you would have a multiplayer game in. But Dragon Age, I mean, this isn't an MMO, man. It's an RPG. Like, just let it be what it is and stop trying to dumb it down and make it appeal to the mainstream, man. Like, hearing this news is just... It's just, like... It's made me love Bethesda even more because they don't care about all that crap. You know, they want to, they make the game that they want to make and they know that their fan base will love it. And that's enough for them. You know, so that makes me respect companies like Bethesda even more. Yeah. And it, it just, it just angers me that BioWare's lost their identity now as a developer. Because they used to mean so much more than they do now. And also, I hear that um, if the rumor says that they're going to be using the Frostbite 2 engine. Now, the thing is with that is I, I kind of guess this is what EA would try and do with this engine. Like, there are people who say that Battlefield 3 is basically a tech demo for Frostbite 2. And, you know, the more things go on, it's looking like that's true because it's like they're trying to shove this engine down our throats. They're trying to put it in every game now. They're going to put it in, you know, Need for Speed or something. And now they're thinking of putting it in Dragon Age. Like, come on, man. This, I mean, you've already established Dragon Age and, you know, with that art style and that engine that you already have for it. Why would you put it on Frostbite now? It just doesn't make sense. But whatever. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Because I know that engines can be pretty versatile, like Unreal. That engines, you know, used in a lot of it. But I can't really imagine how the style and the, I guess, the way the engines used in Battlefield. I don't know how that would translate to a different style of game that's literally the polar opposite. Yes, yeah, I mean specifically an RPG. I mean it's not. It can't be easy to make. A game like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, the amount of choices and you know the amount of different variables you have to put in there, you know, it's. I mean, this seems like a it seems like a big project just to take this game from one engine to the other, you know. Like I just. I mean, I guess in Dragon Age, are you going to be able to shoot a spell that will collapse a building? And that's <laughs> why they they want you to have the Frostbite engine so you can, you know, blow up the blow up the, the cavern that the dragon's hiding inside and <laughs> I mean it seems so and also thinking about it now that doesn't kind of fare well for your choices that you made in the previous games like I don't see them being carried over if they're going to change the engine somehow yeah <laughs> I mean, are there even any details about Dragon Age 3 yet as a game? No, I mean, it's pretty much been announced. Um, like, when I was at the Bioware conference at Eurogamer in September, um, the two guys who founded Bioware, they actually, like, gave a speech, and they basically confirmed that Dragon Age 3 is coming right there. So it's definitely, okay. it's definitely coming, but, you know, there's just... This is just the first rumor we've heard about the project yeah. that, it, that it was going to have multiplayer or there'll be a spin-off game that has multiplayer. 
I mean, if if they was if they really wanted to do this, what they should do is just drop Dragon Age three, end the trilogy, you know, make it a single player game, and then after that, maybe make an MMO or something, you know, for PC. Well, that would make sense to me because Dragon Age is a big, you know, it's it's a big story. It's got tons of things they can explore. I mean, they could do multiplayer something like. Uh... Like in Lord of the Rings, War in the North, if it was some type of co-op system where the like the main player got to make all the dialogue choices, but then everyone else is another party member or something. I need, you know, what, I need to get that game just to see how it works because a lot of people are telling me that's a great game. You told me it's a great game. My friend today that I was with told me it's a great game, so I need to check that out and see how it works. But I mean, yeah, they the- do co-op really well in that game. I don't know, man. If if they can pull it off like that, I mean, maybe it won't be so bad. But I just I just don't see it working. Yeah, yeah me neither. I, I know what you mean. Well, like you said before, it will be a totally different story if you just finish off the, the initial product and then make this for a new one. The same thing could be said about Mass Effect. You know, there was really no need to have multiplayer in the third game. That's specifically taking advantage of the fact that you know people are going to buy it anyway because they want to finish the sequel. When they could just have an MMO after the fact to really take advantage of the way that they want to go with the game. But, uh, you know, this is about business now and making money. So... Like, just to finalize, like, the reason I really don't see this multiplayer malarkey working with Mass Effect and Dragon Age is because both these games I consider personal experiences. Like, they're personal to the gamer because you make your own character, you make your own choices. You know, it's like, it's, it's a real personal experience. And the thought of adding multiplayer to that just kind of ruins the whole concept for me. It ruins the immersion aspect for me, in a way. Oh, yeah. And not to mention the fact that this is how it was introduced in the beginning. Just like you said, personal experience. So it should maintain that throughout the trilogy, and then you do something different. But, uh, you know, I can't tell EA how to do their job. So... (laughs) I mean, thankfully, it's a separate mode, at least. Yeah. And you don't have to log on and have someone drop in and start controlling Tali, and then they run up and try to rush everybody, get killed, and or something like that. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, to make a multiplayer mode takes a lot of netcode. So if they're adding something, it means they're taking something away from what could have been as well, so... Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Well, yeah, we we can move on. Yeah, we'll be talking about Bioware much more in the future anyway, so we'll have plenty of time to discuss this further once more details come out and once we start playing it. So moving on, we have a couple other things to talk about before we get to our spotlight. Which is going to be a surprise. You won't be able to guess what it is. <laughs> and first, for the uh, bit of news, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kingdoms of Amalur. 
Um, if you've been watching the show, then you've heard me talk about this game quite a few times. I'm uh, pretty excited about it. It's uh, going to be awesome. It's made by uh, Big Huge Games. And uh, it's got Todd McFarland doing some of the artwork. It's got uh, Ken Rolston, who was the game director for Morrowind and Oblivion, working on it. It's got, uh, what's his name, Ari Salvatore writing the story, who's a very, very popular fantasy author. It's got a bunch of big names. It's a big budget being published by EA. Uh, speaking of EA, we're talking about them again because they are, have their hands in everything. And this game is really shaping up to be really awesome and massive and a really good action RPG. And so I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, we got some new news that came out about some special editions that they have to offer. Uh, they got three different versions. They're, uh, the first version I could see myself considering. It's $80 and uh, there's not really a limited number of them. It's just a special edition you can buy. It comes with a custom parchment map of the world, kind of like Skyrim's map. It's going to have a seven set of die that uh, are custom made after the game. It has a full set of 40 destiny cards, which are kind of like, kind of like the class system that's used in the game. And it has the full soundtrack. And so that's a pretty good deal for only 20 more dollars. But then the second tier of special edition is called the collector's edition. There's only going to be 700 of them made and it's $200. This one includes everything the previous edition includes. So for $120, you get an individually numbered Prismere troll figure created by McFarland Toys. It's over a foot tall. And then there's also a high-quality concept art lithograph that has 1,000 units signed by Ken Rolston. And then, if that wasn't enough for you, you can pay $275. <laughs> For signature edition that includes, it only has 300 units available. It includes everything from the past two editions, in addition to an individually numbered custom sketch by Todd McFarlane, and a prisoner, another troll figurine that is signed by McFarlane, Salvatore, and Kurt Schilling. And there's only uh, 300 of those editions, and that's $275. Uh, I have to say that that's a little bit ambitious considering not many people are aware of, you know, what this franchise is. Yeah. Yeah. Asking people to pay $275, like, you know, it's a bit much. Yeah. Those, those two other editions are, I I don't think that's worth it, but that first one, I definitely, I think that's pretty cool. It's only 80 bucks. You get a map, you get a set of die, you get destiny cards and the soundtrack. Yeah, I think that one's a cool choice. The eight dollar one. I'm not willing to spend two hundred more dollars for two trolls, some art, and a couple autographs. That's a bit ridiculous. You got anything to say about that, Rich? Are you excited? You're going to drop three hundred bucks on it? Three hundred bucks. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yo, Rich, just to refresh you, um, this was this was that RPG game that EA showed at E3. By the way, I don't know if you remember. Oh no, I no, I saw it. Um, yeah. I mean, game, yeah, the game looks good, man. I mean, I had no complaints, but but I, there ain't no way in hell I would drop three hundred bucks 
And when does this game come out again? Does it come out in March or is it February? Pretty sure it's February. Yeah, man. Can't do that because I got to start saving up for Max Payne. And, of course, Mass Effect. I already pre-ordered that limited edition of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, so. yeah I've, I've already got that, too. This <laughs> is... I haven't even finished the second one. But I mean, I'm gonna still play the. I'm gonna still play that game. I'm just I ain't I ain't, I ain't dropping three hundred dollars for it though. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why they only made three hundred units because they could probably only find three hundred people to pay that much. Oh, gu- guarantee somebody gonna pay three hundred dollars. I guarantee that. Yeah. All right. Well. Another little bit of news that we have is uh, this is actually some pretty interesting stuff that I just heard about today. There's not really a whole lot of details about it, but Lionhead Studios, the guys behind Fable, apparently there's a rumor going around that they could be hiring for some type of MMO project. Uh, there was a Microsoft job listing for somebody with a passion and experience in MMOs. It doesn't explicitly say that they're working on MMO, but it says that they're looking for someone who enjoys playing MMO games and has significant experience with the workings of an MMO. Well, I have a question for you both now. You guys play Fable, right? I've played part of the second one, and I hated it, and I haven't played one or three. Well, I was going to ask you if you think that it's possible to make a Fable MMO. Or do you think it's necessary? I definitely don't think it's necessary. Uh, I think it would probably work, given that they've already done co-op. I'm sure they could figure out how to make it work. I just don't know if it would really add anything that's needed. Well, I I will say this. Um, I know that this is probably not going to happen, but I, I will say this. Microsoft needs some new IPs. Yeah. I mean... You, you, you have you have Alan Wake, and you know, of course, they're gonna make the the, the sequel. I mean, the next Xbox Live arcade game that was teased at VGAs, uh, Fable MMO, or even if it's just another Fable, is fine. You know, then of course, of course, Halo, that's not going anywhere. But in my opinion, they need some 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 new IPs, and I, I would I would be hard pressed to say that. Uh, because it seems like all they've been focusing on is the third-party content and pawning that off as being good enough for the people who actually have 360s. I can tell you right now, that's a very weak strategy. You know, getting DLC before PlayStation 3, that's also something I don't agree with because, you know, I, I mean, it's like they're being extremely lazy. So what you're saying about that MMO, I would love to see them try something. They got to try something, though, because, I mean, you can't just have this continue going as it is now. Maybe you can because, I mean, they're still selling units, but yeah, man, at some point people are going to get tired of the, uh, okay, just another third-party game. There's no original IPs on the, on the system. That's a little annoying right there. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I personally switched to PS3 uh, quite a while ago. And uh, for that reason, that there weren't enough original games that made me want to have a 360 over a PS3. And I couldn't afford to keep both, so 
you know, I picked PS3 and I've been very happy since then. But, you know, everyone has their own opinion. Some people really like Halo and Gears. Uh, those games weren't for me, so I switched just because I like the exclusives better. But I do think that Microsoft needs some good 360 exclusives in order to keep, you know, their platform relevant to people that want to play stuff other than Call of Duty. Because, you know, there's not really a whole lot of games out there that people pick up a 364 unless they're playing online with their friends. So I think maybe bringing a Fable game into the online sphere would help them kind of get both groups a little bit. And I know that PS3 already has some MMO stuff. They have Free Realms, which is that kind of childish one. They got DC Universe online. And, uh, yeah, so I think this would be a good move. I'm just not really sure how it works. Mm. Go ahead, Swift. Uh, I mean, you know, just to add on to what David said, because I completely agree with him. Um, you know, Xbox 360 doesn't have a lot of franchises, you know, not as much as PS3, you know, in terms of exclusive. But the franchises they do have are easily milked. So, you know, I mean, they're big franchises and it's easy for them to just milk the shit out of them. And, you know, this is... I mean, Fable is a big franchise on 360, so they need to kind of revitalize it and do something more with it. So, you know, I guess this makes sense, but I'm just anxious to see how an MMO would run on the 360. I mean, I know they had Final Fantasy, but I never really, like, played it on there or, you know, saw how, saw any feedback on how it, you know, ran on the 360. But I'm I'm anxious to see how they do this because I mean you know um, Lionhead are part of Microsoft so obviously they'll be given a lot of inside help and stuff. So I mean I, I mean as far as Fable I need to play the second and third game as well. But I mean it could be really interesting. I think it could turn out really well for them. Because, I mean, when you look at PS3, they've done MMOs, but it hasn't really caught on in a big way like it has on PC. And I think maybe yeah. my, maybe Microsoft has the power to make console MMOs catch on. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, that would be great. I love playing MMOs. I'm a really big fan of them. I usually don't stick with the game for too long just because... There's so many to play, and I want to try them all, and I don't like paying a subscription because then I feel like I have to play just that game. And so, yeah, yeah, but I, I would love to see MMOs kind of take off more on console. I think it would be great. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm trying to get Dave to get me into some good MMOs. So, you know, he's. I mean, he got me into Champions for a while. So, yeah. All right, now it's time for the big reveal, the surprise you've all been waiting for. Our spotlight for this new episode, if you couldn't tell or guess, is going to be Skyrim. You might have heard of Really? Yes, it is a it is an RPG. It has came out this year on November 11th, and it's pretty good. It, it came out of nowhere. Not many people were expecting it to be that great from a little-known developer in a little-known series called The Elder Scrolls. 
And uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty fun. Uh, everyone doesn't agree. Rich hasn't even bought it yet because he doesn't like good games. But <laughs> we can talk about it. No, I never said that. <laughs> I definitely am going to buy it. Everyone, everyone has told me, you know, everyone is like us. You know, it's the must-have game for this year. So I will play it. I have a lot. More. I have more to say about it on a later show. But no, I ain't no hater. Let's clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your opinions on it Swift I know you did the review and you posted your character guide and how is your red guard doing these days okay well I mean I actually have two characters but I'll get into that in a little while but um okay so when they first announced they were making a new Elder Scrolls and it's going to be called Skyrim I was excited because I loved Oblivion right but in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I'm thinking, okay, like, how much further can they push the bar, really? Like, how how much better can this game be than Oblivion? No. Yeah. I was kind of doubting a little bit in the back of my mind. I, I, didn't, I didn't seriously think it would be, it, it would make this big an impact, you know, as it did. And then when I finally got the game and I played it and I got addicted... I was like, wow, this is way better than I imagined. I can't believe I ever doubted them. Like, this game is, like, it's the kind of game that I live to play, you know? I mean, it's, this is genre-defining, in my opinion. It's yeah, I agree with you 100%. It has everything a fan of the genre could want and so much more. It it takes everything to the next level and it's the most immersive experience I think I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I mean literally every I mean it's been over a month since I've had the game and I'm still hooked. Every time I play like I sit there for hours. Like I could sit there for literally hours because I'm always like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna play just until I level up again. And then I level up, I spend my perk, and then I want to do it all over again, you know? So it just it just hooks me, and I just keep playing for hours on end. It's just so And yeah, it's so great, because you'll get one of those little miscellaneous quests that'll be like, oh, go to this cave and see if you can figure out where my brother is. And you yeah. go there, and it turns out the brother died, and he's possessed, so you have to go hunt him down. And you retrieve some awesome sword that is so much more powerful than anything you had before. And you find a book that leads you on a quest to go find the owner of the sword. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And every time you tell somebody about that, they will not have seen that. And instead, they saw something else. And their experience was totally different. Yeah, exactly. Like, the little things like that, man. Just the little things you can do. The, the mystery element of it. It's like so amazing like just even just exploring the world you can you just get carried away by it all man it's crazy like um ah uh, there's there's so much i want to say but i don't know how far you you've got dave and richard hasn't played it yet so i don't really want to you know spoil it but um the main quest is amazing and there's like something in there that 
a lot of Elder Scrolls fans will be happy about. You know, like there was this moment where I was like, "Wow, I can't actually believe you get to do this." You know, I don't want to say what it is, but it's just so amazing. And then I got this other quest where, you know, in the Elder Scrolls, the um, the history of the the dwarves is kind of a mystery because they vanished without no explanation, and you actually get to yeah. explore that a little bit. You know. Even, even that is amazing. You get to learn more about them. There's even a dwarven city in there. You know, it's... Yeah, I, I've actually seen some of that stuff. What I think would be amazing if they did some type of DLC or expansion is if it turns out the dwarves were hidden underground this whole time. And mm. if you got to go explore their cities, that would... Oh my god, that would be incredible. Just to see one would be incredible because we don't really know what they look like, right? Like, we haven't seen dwarves before in Elder Scrolls at all, but we know they were there. Yeah, exactly. And it, see, one of the things that kind of, that kind of confuses me is I'm guessing that dwarves don't exactly look like what people normally think dwarves look like because their armor fits normal sized people. Uh, I think yeah, that and, might just be a thing with the game, though, because doesn't it automatically just fit any character anyway, like, no matter what it looks like originally? Yeah, I guess that, that, that's probably a good point. And I think people have replicated it over time. Mm, yeah. They started making stuff in the same style, and so we could just be using the stuff that was replicated. But I definitely think it would be awesome, because that's one of the one of the main mysteries of this franchise is the dwarves and what happened to them yeah I mean the game is just so full of mysteries man I mean there's so much adventure I mean some of these quest lines they could be novels in themselves like there's just so much lore in the Elder Scrolls series it's just it's incredible Oh, absolutely. I actually find myself reading some of the books sometimes just to get some more information. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, character building as well is always fun. And uh, let me get into that right now. Like, the first first time I played, I made a red guard. And uh, his name is Courtney. Not not a very creative name. But... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah... (laughs) You know, I, I've got him. I got him all the way up to level thirty. But here's the thing, though. Um, with this character, I didn't know about those. Um, what's those stones where you can get like a birth sign kind of thing? Oh yeah, yeah, the um, spiritual stones. I think is what they're called. Yeah. When I made the red guard, I must have like, because you know the the guy you run off with at the start, he tells you about them or something. Like, he stops yeah. and tells you to select one. But I must have yeah. just, like, run straight past that, and I never got that. Which explains why... the exact same thing. Yeah. That explains why I was leveling up so slow, because people were telling me they had put in, like, um, 12 hours, and they were, like, level 20 or something like that. And I was like, huh? Because I was, like, 30, 40 hours in, and I was, like... 25 or something so that explained a lot to me you know because so you you definitely got to make sure you select one of those because 
that will make you level up faster and more efficiently and you know you can level up in the areas that you want your character to specialize in you know yeah so like say See, you that's wanna... another great thing that i like so much is that they changed the uh leveling system like altogether. there's you don't pick a class and you don't have to decide in the first 10 minutes of the game what your major and minor skills are going to be and you know every time you level up you don't have to sit down with the calculator and try to figure out the most efficient way to maximize your points or anything yeah Instead, you can just play the game, and whatever you do the most, you get better at, and yep. pick perks, and your character just starts to shape itself, and I like it so much better. Yeah, you, you literally just play how you want to play, you know, and just, the game just allows you to do it. But, I mean, the thing I would say is, like, if you're the type that just wants to, you know, when you level up, you want to assign one perk point to this skill and then the next time the next skill if you if you want to be well rounded and try and you know do all of them it's it's really it's going to take you some time for your character to really get stronger if you do it that way so i i I would suggest you really choose you know a couple things you want to specialize in and just focus on those because you'll build a way better character that way and you know he'll be a lot stronger he or she will be a lot stronger. Yeah, so what kind of character is Courtney? Uh, he he specializes in one-handed weapons. Um, I've made him into a bit of a dual wielder, but he also he's also good at restoration magic as well. And nice. he's good at alchemy and um, smithing. So, you know, I mean, Red Guards, they're more warrior classes, so, you know. Yeah, heavy armor as well. But my second character is a high elf called Ibel. It's a female, by the way. And um, she's a mage. So, you know, she's into, she does the, um, what's it called again? Enchanting. She's into alchemy. Um, destruction and restoration magic, a bit of alteration and illusion, and um, also archery. It's pretty diverse. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so oh. far I only have one character. It's um, is a Nordic warrior named Thryman Gore. It's the warrior name I use for most of my characters like him and yeah he's pretty much just pure warrior badassery he's uh, good with one handed weapons I've been mostly using axes uh, shields heavy armor a little restoration magic uh, smithing uh, just pretty much all balls to the wall melee and what I've realized is that you can actually handle ranged fighters a lot better than I thought you could after you get up in the 30s in your level. Yeah. Because um, your, your shield bash gets really powerful. And once you get um, your, the perks that help you handle your stamina better, if you're, um, like, let's say you're fighting a mage and you get up to them, and they're just shooting you with a bunch of magic and you can't get them to stop, if you shield bash them hard enough, it'll stagger them, and you can just start hitting them. Yeah. You can do that again to 
make them stagger. And you can do the same thing with uh, archers. So it, it makes combat really interesting. And I got got some perks that slow down time whenever I block. And so I can time a shield bash right before they hit me. And uh, you can get perks and make your shields give you like 50% resistance to all kinds of magic. Yeah, I mean, the, the game just keeps getting better the more you level up as well. Like, the, the things you can do, just it just gets more and more, like, just expands. It's crazy. Yeah, similar to you, my second character, I'm going to be making a mage, but it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to try to make it... I'm going to focus a lot on Conjuration so I can have stuff fight for me. And then I'll focus on uh, Destruction some so I can stay back and fight from the distance... I'll probably do alchemy, maybe some, um, I'm not sure exactly which school it is, the one that gives you a lot of buffs and stuff. I think it might be illusion. And so I'm going to make a, make a caster that sort of just summons stuff and then fights from a distance probably. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. Um, I, I think, like, I definitely recommend either enchanting or alchemy for everyone because those can make you a lot of money you know if you pursue those oh and yeah, and smithing of course yeah smithing is very easy to level up too if you just make leather bracers over and over yeah you can get your like I think making four or five leather bracers will level, level you up every time and all that takes is I think two leather straps and one piece of leather and you can just sit there and make those all day and you'll be maxed out in no time yeah and you know like I don't want people to get put off by all this stuff you can do like because you can do mining you can cook you can make armor make potions you know get married yeah but this is all optional you don't have to do all this if it if it doesn't tickle your fancy you know just ignore it you don't have to do it it's just stuff that's there for you to take advantage of to get an edge in the game you know um I would like to make a statement based off of what was just said um, because I think that is a not, not only with myself but that's a common thing with a lot of people that I have talked to that have been on the fence about the game the amount of time you would have to put in so I've heard people putting in hundreds of hours and I'm thinking to myself man when would I ever have that much time to do everything in Skyrim yeah I mean, it's it's really like only the really hardcore people will see everything there is to see in Skyrim because it's just that big a game, you know. Yeah, I mean it's not necessary because the way they made the game is like Swift said earlier: you play it the way you want to play it. If if you don't want to join the thieves guild and the mages guild and the fighters guild and you know go explore all these different areas and meet every person and go to every city. You don't have to do that. You can follow the main storyline and slay dragons. You can join the rebellion and fight the civil war. You could just explore whenever you want. You could you can do all of those things or none of those things. You can just play it the way you want to play it. And a lot of people whenever they play games today, especially because a lot of games have just gotten shorter and shorter, they want to play as much as they can and see everything. But Skyrim's not really a game you can do that in. It's kind of a... It's more of an experience. Uh Uh-oh. Like, this is the true meaning of role-playing, because you are role-playing. You know, you... 
it's it's what you want to do. It's what you want to get from the game. At the end of the day, like, what do you want from the game? You know, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, I think you know we should um, like we'll talk about our favorite. Like, we'll talk about some memorable moments that we had in the game. But firstly, I just wanted to ask you, David. Um, like, what's your, what's your favorite side quest so far? And My by, favorite side quest. By side quest, so I mean like companions, thieves, guild, dark brotherhood, etc. Oh, okay. So one of the, one of the guilds, not just like a miscellaneous quest. Yeah. I mean, you can mention a miscellaneous one too after, but I wanted to know, you know, which one of those was your favorite. Okay. I've actually only had any experience with the Companions and Mages build so far. Alright. Yeah, I'm trying to focus mostly on miscellaneous stuff right now, whenever I play. Because I like just seeing a lot of the more detailed stuff that you might miss. But, as far as the Companions build goes, I really, well, without spoiling anything, I really like the last mission of it. I thought it was really fun seeing kind of the history of the companions and um, kind of seeing some more detail into what exactly is going on. And uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but I definitely think that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, that reward you get from them is definitely cool. Right? Yeah, because it, it has a history, the item you get, and it feels like it's part of the world. It's not just, you know, another item that. Is something it's it has a name and it it feels more real. Yeah. And uh, what's your favorite miscellaneous quest? Okay, this one is really interesting because I talked to my roommate that has this game and he did part of this quest but didn't see any of the stuff I saw. So I'm guessing it must have been one of the ones that it just assigns to a certain area for you, and it's different yeah. for every person. There was um, it was called the Red Eagle Sword. And so what ended up happening was I ended up going to this cave and uh, outside of the cave there's a little note that said oh you know um, I've gone to go find some more clues or whatever and it was some person's diary and uh, so I go inside the cave and the person that's the watch guard is blind so he's supposed to be the watchman to make sure no one breaks in but he's blind and so whenever I walk in, he starts interrogating me. But since I read the diary, I can answer some of his questions and make him think that I was the right person. Uh-huh. And so I start walking by. And I just decided to kill him just because he was blind and useless and I wanted to kill him. And then I continue on inside and we start exploring the crypt and stuff. And I got this item, which it doesn't really spoil anything to describe it. It's called the Ghost Blade. And it has got to be one of the coolest looking weapons I've seen ever. There's um, some more that kind of have the same look. But this one just blew me away because I just stumbled across it whenever I rescued these spirits and they gave it to me as a reward. And it isn't that powerful, but it just looks awesome. It's kind of transparent and blue. And looks like it was, it's, it's, it looks like you're holding a ghost in your hand and it's just really awesome. Wow. I got to check that out. Yeah, so what about you? What's some of your favorite side stuff? Um, 
see, um, with, with Courtney, I did the, uh, um, I did the Dark Brotherhood and the Companions. And, uh, I really like the Dark Brotherhood questline. Like, it's really, it's way better than it was in Oblivion, for one. Really? My roommate says the exact opposite. He says he loved Oblivion more. Oh, really? Well, it, it kind of connects in a way as well, I think. Because they mention, they reference, cool. they reference something that happened in the, in the Oblivion one. But I don't know, for some reason I like this one. I think it's because I like the characters. Like, I like, I really like one of the characters. I find her interesting. Um, yeah, I just really liked that one. But with my high elf, I did the Mages Guild, and I'm doing the, the, um, not the Mages Guild, the, the College of Winterhold. And, um, yeah. and I'm also doing the Thieves Guild. And I, I really enjoyed the Mages one. I think I just like mages, that's why. And you learn a lot about the history of the college and what happened to Winterhold, because there was some kind of accident that happened there. So you learn a bit about that. And also you get a really good reward from doing that, which is cool. Um, should I spoil it and say what happens? Like, I won't say what happens, but basically you become Archmage and... Once you become Archmage, you literally have, like, a limitless supply of, like, ingredients and that grow back after a couple of days. And, you know, well, if, you're, awesome. if you're an alchemist, it's it's awesome. And uh, the Thieves Guild, I haven't actually finished that side quest line. But it seems pretty good so far. So what's your favorite miscellaneous moment that you came across? Oh man, I mean, there's so many, I just, I can't even think of one right now. Um, yeah, I can't think of one, but one thing I wanted to say though is how the dragons just randomly attack you. I love that. Like, yeah, yeah. You could just be going on about your business and out of nowhere, a dragon just swoops down and Bruce fire upon you or once you enter a town there'll be one flying over the town and one of the guards will see it and throw an arrow at it and before you know it you gotta fight this dragon out of nowhere I think it's way better than the Oblivion Gates in the previous game because those actually oh, yeah. those started to annoy me you know the Oblivion Gates but fighting a dragon I mean there's nothing more epic than that my only gripe is that after a while, they start to seem less powerful because once you level up, you know, it just it gets too easy to take them out. But yeah, I mean, you can just put up the difficulty at that point, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of I like that because in Oblivion, you know, the entire game leveled with you. So you'd yeah. be walking down the street and you would see a bandit with better armor than you, but he's supposed to be a bandit. And yeah. they kind of broke the immersion a little bit. And then since you go into a cave and you would start fighting a bunch of fire atronarchs and stuff would be summoning everything. And it was supposed to be just like a goblin cave, but it turned into like one of the hardest levels of the game. Yeah, true. So 
I kind of enjoy it having some stuff that once you start, when you start the game, it's very scary. Like giants, they can kill you in one hit and send yeah. you to the moon. Like I don't mind everything else. It's just the dragons. Like I wish they stayed, you know, kind of difficult because you know I don't know. I just yeah. like I just like fighting dragons. I like it to feel like it's it's hard. You know. Yeah, that, that that's a fair criticism. You should get it on PC, and then I'm sure there'll be some mods that will fix that for you. Yeah, I definitely plan on getting it on the PC sometime in the future, because yeah. it's already a never-ending game, but on PC it just takes it one step further. And um, you mentioned the, the Giants. I love the Giants, by the way. Yeah, me too. They're very... I mean, they don't say anything, but they definitely have a very tangible presence there. You can see them, you know, in the distance, hurting big giant mammoths. And... Yeah. I just like their characteristics as well, because, like, you'll see some and they won't even acknowledge you or they won't even bother you or anything like that. But if you, like, come into their home or if you hover around their mammoths or something, you know, they'll, like, wave their clubs at you, like, trying to tell you to get away. And then if you don't, yeah. they'll just, like, run up and just hit you. And it's, I, I just love their characteristics, man. It's funny. All right, well, well, I think we've talked a good deal about Skyrim. Everyone knows here that we are huge Bethesda fans. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in the future, give people updates on our characters and how everything's been going. And uh, now to move on to the last segment of the show, the upcoming. It's been a while, so there's plenty of stuff that we could talk about. Uh, we've already talked about Mass Effect 3, Sam, and Kingdoms of Amalur and everything. So instead, we're going to talk about something that's been pretty recently announced. It was talked about on co-op a little bit, and that's going to be the South Park RPG. And personally, I am extremely excited. I um, I read the big details they had in the recent Game Informer issue, and it has definitely got me very excited for the game. Because uh, I know whenever they talked with Obsidian, uh, they said that their first priority that they focused on was first making sure that the art style was perfect, and it looked just like the show. And from all the screenshots I saw, they nailed it. Um, they had a big interview with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and I guess they're they're apparently huge gamers. They love Oblivion. That's uh, like one of their favorite games. They, you know, they love RPGs. They grew up with them, and they just want the game to first be a South Park game. It has to be funny. You know, the characters have to be believable. You know, they're doing all the writing and the voice work, so it's just like an extension of the show. And then they're also going to make it like a legitimately good game. And so I'm really excited. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I spoke about this before on the co-op. I'm, I'm interested to see what they can do because, you know, I haven't watched South Park in a while. I used to watch it quite a bit. But lately, I haven't been watching it. But I always hear people talking about the show, like what happened in it and stuff. So I, I kind of been meaning to check it out again, but I just never got around to it. But I am really anxious to see what Obsidian can do with this game. And from what I hear, the creators of South Park are 
really heavily involved in the process. So, yeah, it's, yeah I mean, it, this I, is the first South Park game where they're like totally hands on. Yeah. All the other ones, they didn't have any influence in, but this one, they're making it like it is the true South Park game. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. So, and Obsidian, you know, I mean, they've made some, some really good games. So can't go wrong with them, really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. They, it, It'll be interesting to see them work on an established IP like this, but at the same time have it be their first, ex- or the first entry into the series. Yeah. Because I know, like, in the past, they usually just do sequels. They, yeah, they've done a lot of you know, sequels. KOTOR 2, Neverwinter Nights 2, Dungeon Siege 3, Lost Ve- or New Vegas. And yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what they can do with this. I know they did Alpha Protocol. That was an original game by them. And it had some problems, I've heard. But I think it'll be interesting because, you know, it's not like this game's going to require a massive amount of technical expertise yeah. or anything. It's going to be a turn-based RPG and it's just going to focus on making it really, really fun to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm expecting this to be one hell of a game. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Definitely. But uh, one, one thing I found interesting, though, is like I think it was you that told me, I'm not sure. But because they've never actually mapped out the um what's the town that they're in in South Park? South Park. Oh, that's what it's called, okay. I yeah. took I took an L right there. But yeah, um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh because they've never actually mapped out the location before, now they have to do it for the game. Because you know, in yeah. the show, in the show, they just go from one place to the other, but there's no real map of it. So. Yeah, exactly. So, because in the, because uh, you know, in the show, they'll be standing at the bus stop, then they'll get on the bus, and then they'll appear at the school, then they'll appear at their house, but they've never had to think about how far apart or where those things are in relation to each other. Yeah. So it's going to be really cool to see to see how they picture everything actually being mapped out. Yeah. Is Rich here? I think he left. Okay. Well, he already like gave his opinions on the co-op, so. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Look forward to it, man. Big South Park fan. Let's see what they do. Or they got classes as well. So. Oh, yeah, that's another cool thing. Since you get to make your own character, I think it's going to be really cool. Because you'll get to try to become one of the kids. And you have to get accepted into their group and everything. <laughs> Sound good to me. All right, well, you guys have anything else to say? Um, I just got one thing to say. <clears throat> Go buy Skyrim, play Skyrim, enjoy Skyrim. Yeah, I have a lot to say about Skyrim the next time.
for sure, for sure. All right, you heard it from the authority on all things awesome. Gary A. Swaby has demanded that you go buy Skyrim. Yeah. And I'm, if you don't, if you don't buy it, I'm gonna take a page from a good friend of mine's book, and I'm gonna slap you if you don't buy it. Oh, see now, now threatening with violence. Hey, taking it a little too far now, buddy. Threatening with violence. It's yeah, not violence if it's justice. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our second premiere episode back from our hiatus. Hopefully this becomes regular again. You just let us know what you think in the comments section or send us an email and we can get back to you. And We're always welcome to take requests, talk about some games that might not get enough attention or talk about an upcoming game you're excited about. And so this is David the Jagonaut Jagno. And I hope you guys have a great day. Yep, and I just wanted to give two shout-outs real quick. Shout-outs to Richard Bailey for being here. And um, hopefully we'll have him on a future show as well when we talk about Mass Effect in the spotlight. So definitely look out for that. And also shout-outs to Mr. AKQ, a.k.a. Asad Quadri, who couldn't be here today. But yeah, he's doing his thing. So look out for us in the future. Yes, and thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, for everyone listening to the show, I hope that everyone has an excellent holiday season, uh, most certainly. And we'll, 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 we'll get at you guys later. <laughs>